0: Welcome to another episode of Red Skies, where we seek to read the cultural signs of our times in conversation with thought leaders from around the globe. Our goal is to find a path for our future as the church, asking the question, how can we as followers of Jesus be good news to an ever chaotic and divisive world? This podcast is brought to you by Movement Leaders Collective, a community and catalyst for movement leaders worldwide, and 100 Movements Publishing, seeking to change the conversation, shift paradigms, equip leaders, and inspire missional discipleship, and is produced and presented in partnership with our friends at Missio Alliance, a generative, expansive, and intercultural network around theology and practice. You can find out more about the book, Red Skies, 10 Essential Conversations About Our Future as the Church, as well as other tools available to help your church, organization, or movement at RedSkiesFuture.com. The book can also be purchased on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and other platforms where books are sold. You can enter the missional conversation with other movement leaders around the globe at movementleaderscollective.com. And now for this week's episode. Well, hello and welcome to another Red Skies Conversation. I am one of your hosts, Roland Smith, and I'm here with my co-host Rich Robinson from Edinburgh,
1: Scotland. How you doing, Rich? Uh, I'm doing very well, Roland. Last, last week before Christmas, it's cold. There's snow on the ground. There's lots to do. Looking looking forward to it. I'm
0: doing yeah, well. Yeah, snow on the ground here as well. I am uh, really looking forward to our conversation uh, today with someone that I haven't had a lot of chance to talk to, but have uh, been impacted by his ministry and his books and watched his work from afar, uh, Leonard Sweet. Um, and most of you probably know uh, Leonard, but uh, for those of you that don't, he is a preacher, teacher, historical theologian, an author of more than 70 books, um, and he does doctoral work with students at Drew University, George Fox University, Northwind Seminary, and Southeastern University. You sound like a very busy guy, Len. Um, yeah, well,
2: I'm, all- glad, I'm glad you could join us. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad to be here too. I've been looking forward to it.
0: Well, and you you wrote a uh, a really pivotal chapter in Red Skies. Um, so appreciative for that. And when you when you sent your draft in, I I will uh, confess that I wasn't sure about the title at first. And um, as I read it, it was an amazing. Um, just kind of framing of the whole conversation that the book is having. And so we ended up putting it uh, right up there, uh, right after the, the foreword. Um, but the title of it, uh, which is kind of the way you frame the whole chapter, Red Skies, White Elephants, Gray Rhinos, and Black Swans. Um, I wonder if we could just kind of get started uh, with you Talking about those semiotic pictures and um, framework of of how you get into talking about culture, the church, and some of the um, issues that we're facing.
2: Yeah, well, you're, the word is is semiotic. These are semiotic scenarios that um, that we are facing simultaneously. I mean, the, we are. There's no phrase you know. We can walk and chew gum at the same time, but. We don't think we think sequential. We don't think simultaneous. Mm-hmm. We we think con- consecutive. We don't. We're not trained really to think concurrent. So these things are happening all at the same time. Um, various scenarios of the future um, that are gonna that we're gonna be uh, facing, and so um, it's kind of stacking at um, not in linear form, but in in simultaneous form. Uh, the 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 red skies scenario the. The white elephant scenario, the uh gray rhino scenario, the black swan scenario, and uh, one scenario I, I should have remembered and I didn't, and I'm repenting now, the red heifer scenario. I should have ended with the red heifer. What was oh I man?
0: Um I'm, hey. I'm, I'm curious. So we'll we'll put that in red skies too. We'll get you to write a chapter <laughs> on red heifers. Yeah.
2: Well, if you notice, most crashes uh have a red heifer in them, and Jesus okay. is mostly portrayed as a ginger. For precisely this reason and um hmm. you know, there was one special sacrifice offered by the high priest which was not daily it wasn't even annual it was offered whenever the ashes of the previous red heifer sacrifice had been depleted through cleansing ceremonies and mm-hmm. it's called the red heifer sacrifice and um you read about the, i mean there's supposedly throughout all of uh time um there's been a, a nine Red, literal, uh, legitimate red heifers that have been have been sacrificed. You can't have one non-red hair, and mm-hmm. and be a red heifer sacrifice. Uh, a heifer, of course, is a young female cow which has never given birth to a calf, and a heifer is simply a fancy name for a young female cow that hasn't yet born one. And uh, by red, we're not talking about ruby red right here. We're talking about earth red, a kind of a reddish brown, earthy color. And the mm-hmm. Hebrew word for red. Um, a dome is at a model is really linked to the word for earth adam so hmm. you got red earth adam coming out of the red earth so this whole tradition of red hair and mm-hmm. the the red red is the color of love i mean ask taylor swift i mean so you got you got a yeah you, you got a, a rarity here but um the red heifer was a was a, a messianic sign that you look for the red heifer as a sign of the coming of the messiah and um you can look at numbers 19 they give specific instructions for how you are to sacrifice a a red heifer mm-hmm. and and i i should have i i needed to i think the essay needed a little more hope in it and that that red heifer would have been a little more hope uh what are the red heifer signs the messianic signs of of Jesus's um advent um sure and so that's that's my one regret
0: yeah well um Yeah, and I I mean, I certainly, we want the book to bring hope. Uh, The primary question we kind of put out was, uh, or kind of the thesis question for all the authors was, you know, what is it, how do we need to look at the next two decades or approach the next two decades in order to be good news people? You know, Jesus people are good news people. And obviously that Involves some critique and some warning signs and some maybe some negative type language. But in that is obviously hope. But can you can you go back and just uh, for listeners, um, those that haven't read yet? just kind of kind of give us a summary of each of those semiotic pictures, the four that you did include, um, red, <laughs> red skies, white elephants, gray rhinos, and black and, uh, swans. Yeah. Just kind of give a little bit of a picture of those, which you do really well in the book, but give us a, a very you know, summary statement on each of those. Yeah, well,
2: well the, red, the red skies of course, is the whole title of the book, and it comes from one of Jesus' favorite sayings, red sky in morning, sailor's take warning; red sky at night, sailor's delight, you know how to read the signs of the sky, you need to you know how to read the signs of the of the times and so this is just kind of generic sign reading that we all need to be able to do um mm-hmm. and some of the signs that are i mean christianity in england and wales now for the first time in history christianity is no longer a majority religion it's a minority religion within a very short period of time christianity would be a minority religion here in the united states of america mm-hmm. um so one of the red skies an obvious one is what how is it how does christianity come to terms with the fact that in western in the Western world, uh, we are increasingly a minority voice, mm-hmm. and only one voice among many. And Rich has been dealing with this uh a long time, and we're we're coming some parts of the US have been dealing with it too. I live in a in a place, Pacific Northwest, where it's been for a while this way. But um so those are just the generic red skies. The the white elephant is is kind of the nine hundred-pound grill in the room that nobody wants to talk about, but everybody knows is there. The -hmm. difference between a white elephant and a gray rhino is a gray rhino is something that is very visible, but it's so hidden in the context that you can't see it. It's actually everywhere. And and these are um, these are once the, the event does pop out and happen, then you suddenly, how did we miss it? It was there all the while the 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 white elephant is you know it's there but you want to miss it because you don't have to deal with it the gray rhino is how did we miss this i mean uh it was there we didn't see it how did we not see it and then of course there are the black swans and these are the wild cards if you will um and i think this is both the excitement um and actually the word advent is kind of a has that kind of wild card Mm -hmm um i'm I'm increasingly calling Christians adventurers instead of followers or mm. pioneer, adventurers because it's you're living the, the an advent to advent life a, a life mm-hmm. of expectation a life of arrival a life of surprise a life of constantly being open mm-hmm. to the unknown and the unexpected so you live adventually. <laughs>
0: adventually, uh, yeah
2: yeah and an adventual uh, life is a is what a a Christ follower lives. So we are um, adventurers, if you will. But um, but that's the that's the uh, black swans, and um, so we we ought to be open to some of these. But we also ought to be aware that um, as Martin Luther put it, "Where God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel." And so each one of these mm-hmm. black swans um, can have tremendous consequences for good but tremendous consequences for evil and um and that's where i introduced this whole grainy acronym and G-R-A-I-N, mm-hmm. genetic engineering robotics artificial intelligence the big one mm-hmm. information technology and nanotechnology to Tr- have tremendous capacity for for good but the, each one having also tremendous capacity for uh, destruction um uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and as you as you say that, Len. I mean, that, that, my question. I want to read two two short snippets from. They're on the same page, page fifteen. And these two opportunities. Um, the first one is is about the Commons. It says the Church of the Future must invest heavily in social capital. The COVID nineteen pandemic showed that the social capital found in the Commons—a common purpose, common ground, and common humanity. Is the key to a common future. Mutual concern for the well-being of all is a primary return on and evidence of wise investments in social capitalists. So there's something there of significance and a power for the church and an opportunity for the church. And then just three lines lower down talks about in a networked world created by Zuckerberg, the masters of the universe are media, money, and marketing. Social media investment financiers and multinational marketers and you talk about the cell phone being the sort of r- really the the weapon of choice or the vehicle and the mechanism to deliver that and so you've got this sort of commons on the one side cell phone on the other the powerful reality so just unpack those two for us how does the church leverage one and live well within the context of the? other?
2: yeah well it, it, this is what brings together here and, and um and i maybe i should have spent more time on this rich but the relationship between the particular and the universal and um the power of one the particular has never been greater no um again for good or for ill you know yep (laughs) um and so we are uh bill joy who um who founded uh, one of the co-founders of sun microsystems he's the one who invented java um he wrote this little essay as we turned as we kind of turned the century in the 21st century why the future doesn't really need us and um he he was he was worried about um the pot, he, 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 the metaphor and i think this is his metaphor that i read in this article it's not mine but if you, would you get in a plane on the back of every seat there was a button And anybody had the power to push that button and crash the plane he said that that's the world we're living in today
1: Mm -hmm.
2: said the democratization of these the these genetic engineering robotics i mean everybody now can do it in their garage um google has enabled all this information and um to, to be available to everyone at a moment's notice and he said that's the that's the danger of the world that we're living in today but it's also the, the the hope of the world because everybody can can say i mean you can the power of one has never been, but we got to understand the relationship between particular and the universal and and you particularize in order to universalize you, the way to the universal is through the particular that's a, a paul tillich quote directly you particularize in order to universalize So you bring that particularity and an authentic particularity. In other words, you got to love your zip code. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to love enough of this. I mean, we'll always have franchise, but the future is not forming from franchises or a franchise faith. (laughs) It's the particularity, homegrown, homemade, homespun, fresh from the oven, um, the the handcrafted. and, and from that particularity and knowing that particular, and this is all the doctrine of the incarnation. Um, God came to a particular time, a particular place, a particular people with a particular language, um, with particular customs, so, but to save the world. And that's so we, we, we can't stay in the particular. We have to move from the particular to the universal. Uh, I come from the Wesleyan movement, the old saying about John Wesley and his heart strangely warmed, you know, conversion, that Methodism begins in a domestic affair, but it ends in a foreign policy. (laughs) So you got to you got a particularity there, a domestic affair, you know, an affair of the heart, but it ends in that commons, that public square. It's got to go there. It can't stay in the particular, but the particular has got to be right and um and authentic and real so the 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 whole it's a fundamental the the incarnation is basically all about the particular in the universal and um Mm -hmm. but you can't start with the universal i mean the old saying both extreme conservatives and extreme liberals you can love everybody in general so much you love nobody in particular very much
0: Hmm. yeah
2: yeah and that's the bane of this, you know, we can love everybody in the abstract, but God's not an abstract God. God got really particular. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us. God has a middle name. With God with us, that withness, that particularity, and then, you, then that particularity empowers, emboldens, uh, enables, ennobles the
1: the uh, the universal good and the, and the common the commons is the context isn't it to pull people down to be able to to share to love to partner to be to be right. rubbing up against bumping up against yeah. giving to yeah so you really
2: have you have a local a local commons but you we can't forget about the global commons Yeah. Mm-hmm. and the planetary commons you know it's uh because we are now all planetary citizens as well and unless we get this planetary consciousness through our heads, we're we're really going to do some damage um, on every front.
0: Let me kind of work off of that that idea of the particular for just a second. Um, one of your one of your lines or one of your quotes in the book, uh, you you said the upcoming religious landscape in the U.S. will be unlike anything we've ever seen before, uh, which I think. I think a lot of people agree with and a lot of people are starting to realize. Um, um do you think that that the this particular view of churches and praxis, let's say, will will these be, is this a new phenomenon, or do you think the disruption and the deconstruction and all the things that are happening are kind of hearkening back to the early church, maybe, or you know, some of the best of organic ecosystem type movement. Um, as we have problems in institutional constructs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I I, I do think the 21st century, and I my problem in writing this the that you wanted me to limit it to the next two decades. Mm. But I really our kids are 22nd century kids. Mm. I mean, Lord willing, Jesus tarrying, crook not rising, Moses upbringing. I I have West Virginia, Appalachian grammar. That's what she'd say before she'd do anything, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're going to live well into the 22nd century, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I most important person in my life was my mother. The second most important person. Her name was Marie lived in Dayton, Ohio. She was born in 1897. She died in 2003. She lived in three centuries. That's a a child born between 1990 and 2000 who's a female has a greater than 50% chance of living well in the 22nd century. A male or female, 2000, 2010, greater than 50% chance of living well. So these are 22nd century kids. You think we've seen changes yeah. in the last 10, 20 years? Yeah. What they're gonna be coming on the horizon is gonna be un, just unimaginable to us. Mm-hmm. So the the key is is not let's let's see the changes so we can adapt to them. But how do you navigate, negotiate these black swans, white elephants, gray rhinos, red skies, and always looking for that red heifer, that that messianic sign of or where Jesus is and what he's up to out there. Um, so it's a it's a really um, for me it's a it's a it's a whole encompassing issue of how you live the life of faith and uh, with expectancy and and exaltation at the
1: same time. Yeah. Would you, Len, just taking that kind of answer a little bit deeper on just pulling out the, the weird acronym that you, you name, so Western Educated Industrial Rich Democratic, as we're trying to navigate these turbulent times, we're doing it with a very fixed mindset, yeah, aren't we? We're doing it weird, yeah. And Jesus wants us to be weird, but not not that weird, not, not
2: that kind of weird, <laughs> not, not that weird, <laughs> not, that weird. <laughs> <laughs> not that weird, you know. But we, it- yeah. But we we face. I mean, look what you're facing out there, Rich. You're, you're going to yeah. have in May a coronation of a king. I guarantee you, he's not going to be the defender of a faith. He's going to be the defender of all faiths. Yep. I guarantee yep. you that's gonna happen. And he's well, who's gonna be standing aside beside him? A Hindu Prime Minister and a Muslim mayor of London. Welcome mm-hmm. to the New World. You know, yep. th- now this is this is not what we are used to. It's not what England's used to. It's not what America's used to. I mean, in many ways, this very beautiful uh Protestant burial of your queen, that, that's the last time that's ever gonna be seen.
1: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That I mean, legacy is now. That, done. That's yep. dumb.
2: I mean, you ought to freeze frame that. And that, <laughs> that's the moment that, that <laughs> is the Rubicon. We are now the it's, that's the last time you're going to see that. Uh, yeah. So we've been here before. And as you said, Roland, we've been this the first century was very pagan, very multi many gods. I do not oh. like. I don't know if, I can't remember if I put this in the in the article or not but secularization theory for me is a, an academic hoax. Um, this world is not becoming more secular. It, we we don't it's becoming more sacred. Everything is sacralized now. I mean even atheists want to call them we have a religion too, you know. So it mm-hmm. to be known as so the, the, one of the biggest we we, sacri- we we everything we touch we turn into a god. Mm-hmm. And this, there's so many gods out there including one of the biggest gods is now politics. Politics now is a religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now a faith system um, where you're lo- you have more loyalty to your your party uh, than you do to uh, your denomination. I mean, I was growing up. It was an issue. Can a Methodist marry a, a Presbyterian? or <laughs> or Or what about a Catholic? You know, yeah, yeah. now it's I would I'm a, you know, whatever party you are. I would never marry somebody if I'm a a Democrat, I would never marry a Republican. Right. I, I would right. never marry a Democrat. We, we've just, so everything we touch, we've sacri- we we, celebrities, they're gods. We, everything we turn into a god. So this is, this is a, a very first century. There are all these gods out there. And how do you live in a world with a pantheon of gods? And how do you live faithfully as a disciple of Jesus, as an adventurer, Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of that uh, panoply of uh of deities and because everything we touch we turn into a a god. I mean, you look at the food network. They're they're wearing the white coats now. I mean, they're the the new priests. Um <laughs> and um yeah, I know people have the food network on 24/7. That's all they see. Um it's become a whole new spirituality. So Right. I think I think we are. I think the twenty first century is more, I'd like to say more first century than twentieth.
0: Mm-hmm. More first than twentieth, okay.
2: Um which means we really need to recover our um our origin story mm-hmm. as a as a as a early Christian community. And, and, I, and
0: I guess that's what I was that's what I was kind of um maybe getting at is, is you know do do you think that i hate i hate trying to give prescriptions to things but do you think the possible prescription for the church is to engage the incarnated flesh on flesh organic presence of jesus people as opposed to systems is that how we is that how we fight the cultural systems is that we go back to right you know
2: jesus there's nowhere in the bible i can find where jesus said i'm going to send you politicians who will save you yeah i'm going to say i'm going to save you with legislation um now i i think we ought to be involved in the public square i think we ought to be involved in these kinds of activities but to look at that as our redemption story and they're gonna they're Mm -hmm. going to to save us no um uh, it it is it is a reorientation. Uh, orient means east, so it's a re. A, all all early churches were oriented; they all faced the east. Um, when they started building churches, um, they would all they'd have an orienting ceremony. It would because it was facing where Christ is going to return and where you look for him, and so we are looking oriented properly but it's oriented towards christ Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's oriented towards him and his supremacy and um his sovereignty and so that's the that's the you know that he's the bright and morning star Uh, Mm -hmm. that's the star that you chart your course by as you navigate whatever's coming whatever these black swans and white elephants and and um And the the red skies and the gray rhinos, whatever they are, you've got it. The the only way to deal with it is a proper orientation. We're facing towards Christ, always facing towards Christ. And the other thing here is that there's understanding that he doesn't so much push us from behind the past as pull us from the future because he's already there in this future, pulling us towards him. Um, And that's where the hope comes from that Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not taking jesus anywhere as if he didn't arrive on the scene till i got there i'm (laughs) i'm joining him and what he's already up to in this future as he brings this this future and and the maranatha is perfect that word because it has three time zones with it the one who was the one who is the one who is to come or you can just say maranatha (laughs) (laughs) and so we live this maranatha life where we're we're having the eternal now. We can have experiences of the eternal now mm-hmm. um, and 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 we live out of the past, not in it as we live um, the future now, uh, in the present. So mm-hmm. it's a I, I'm not sure we've actually done a good enough job teaching people um, what it means to live uh, eternal life now.
1: And, and what does that look like Len because the the bit that I loved the, probably my favorite part was this this wonderful list we said Jesus taught with more than words he used meals animals signs spit stones healings walks weddings sailings and feasts as favored ways of teaching we owe people holistic experiential and grounded ways of knowing God in the story of Jesus we we've made it a system a test uh a a very shallow or formulaic um diet how how do how do people how do we as leaders equip and encourage people to live that way in the midst of all of this and painful and unsettled and disrupted world
2: yeah that's that's a really and for me it's what does it mean that Christ wants to live his resurrection life in and through us. I mean, and this is the the radical nature of of the good news, um, is that I know there's a Colossians 2, but I can't get past Colossians 1. You know, the, the secret has been kept hidden, but it's now been revealed Christ in you. Now that in you means in you individually and corporately. There's always a communal dimension here. You got in Christ, what, 100... 216 times, but every time it has this corporate dimension when it's used. It's both in and within and among. And so, it is, so we aren't mimicking Jesus in our life. We are manifesting him. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a huge shift from, no, I mean, why did Paul say to the church at Corinth, you really shouldn't have sex with temple prostitutes, okay? I mean, it's not a good thing. Everybody thinks that the early church got it right. You ought to read Corinthians. You You think there was a golden age where the church had it all right? Read Corinthians. (laughs) So, you know, he's going, you know, well, he doesn't say because you're breaking a commandment. Mm -hmm. He says, no, you and Jesus now are sharing a life together. The risen Christ is living His resurrected life in and through you. You want you want to subject Jesus to that. You want to you know so that so it's a relational test. This is the key thing. It's a relational test, um, more than a legal one. A a relational uh, kind of restraint. The love of Christ constrains us. So we are sharing His. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. How do I know it? He lives. How does he live? Within, he, among. So that living Christ that is um, within us and, and living his resurrection life where he says greater things, will you do than I did if, if you just live my life and live my story. And, you know, Jesus didn't free the slaves. We did. Great mm-hmm. things have we done than he did through the power of the spirit um mm-hmm. and his resurrection life in and through in and through us. So that I think is that's the key here is getting people to get this, you know, get rid of this oh to be like this doctrine of Christ likeness. No, no, no. The word Christian means little Christ. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we are for the world a little Christ. Um we, we are not impersonating Jesus. We are personating him.
0: Yeah, that's good. See mm-hmm. us
2: And this is a huge shift, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not imitating. I mean, I, there's a lot of good things in Thomas the Compass, Imitations of Christ, but the title is not one of them. I am not here to imitate Jesus. I am here to impart Jesus through the implantation of the Holy Spirit. As he, it is not I who live, Paul said, but Christ lives within me. So we share this life together, and what does it mean that um, that we share in Jesus' resurrected life, where all things are possible? Um, so it's a that's for me the shift
1: right there. Really and and in, in in terms of make making that turn, Len, what it, somebody's listening, inspired, challenged, overwhelmed. How how do we begin to make that mindset shift and then that that praxis and behavioral shift that happens? What what does that look like for us to take a first step away from and towards a different reality?
2: I, I think I it's gonna sound strange here. It's gonna sound weird, okay. <laughs> but Not that weird the weird, other I hope. <laughs> yeah, the other weird. Yeah. The other weird. But I th- I really think we're uh, to get rid of this work at it thing. I mean, yeah. you don't play, a you don't work a violin. You want beauty and artistry, you play. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we, you, we don't, you know, you, you don't work soccer, you know, you don't work football, you play. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is to, to begin to think a little more musically in our metaphors. Um, anyway, yeah. that's the one thing that Charles Darwin um, actually admitted that he could he could not figure out and didn't fit his evolutionary theory was um that, that he said that this is his descent of man in 1871 that he, he 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 just could not figure out music and it didn't make any evolutionary sense and it didn't make any sense at all why you have all these musical notes and all this sound and um so he he calls it uh, just a mysterious uh thing in nature and couldn't couldn't figure it out <laughs> which makes me suspect if you can't figure out the importance of music in your in your theory um you know something's wrong <laughs> Something's wrong here somewhere but but it's not that we we are um you know he he is living he's he's singing his song and making our song even better when he sings his song through us and through his life and and so i i just think it's more more play uh faith you got to define faith as play it's not so much work it's something you and communities have to become communities of practice where you learn to play your instrument not Mm -hmm. communities of perfection Mm -hmm. um i mean the moment each one of my kids played a musical instrument and the the first one was a he's I thought I got off easy you know I'm going to play the clarinet well I thank God it's not a drum thank God it's not a booba. <laughs> well, he turned my household into a nightmare <laughs> I mean and I lied through my teeth as he would take some of the most greatest music ever composed and massacre it <laughs> and <laughs> mutilate it and you just want to tear your hair out you go in oh. That is so much better than yesterday. You're doing <laughs> great. You know, we well, you, you faith is a practice. Mm-hmm. It, we practice mm-hmm. our instrument. And we expect when somebody comes to faith, they got now they gotta be perfect. No, it takes time to play your instrument. And it's but it's it's you you practice and 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 faith is a practice. We need communities of practice, not communities of perfection. Mm-hmm. And and we've got so many communities that just define themselves in terms of we allow no practice here. You gotta have it all right, or we will jump down on you and judge you and and um you know hang you out as a heretic. So I I think that there's this just shifting the metaphor. For me, it's all about the metaphor and the mm-hmm. narrative, but shift the metaphor. Faith is not something you work at. Uh faith is something that you play mm-hmm. and you practice. Does,
0: and- does this idea that you're talking about right now, does this fit with, um, a couple of times in your chapter, you talk about that we need to be planters. Yes. Um, and so, and you talk about like a fortress church needs to become a field church strategy needs to become, um, uh, planting, um, talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. No, you talk to a gardener. They're not working that garden. They're, they're playing in the garden. It's their mm-hmm. sandbox, you know, first time we meet God in the Bible the earliest creation account, God's playing in the sand. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's making mud pies. So the all creativity, I think, uh, comes out of a play. You get work as a result of the fall, manual labor, women, you'll labor. Um, Mm -hmm. we've moved out of that playground. Um, but that's for me, a lot of worship. And you, you know, more about this than I do Roland, but when you got worship down to the second, um they they give me sometimes before i preach you got they we will start you at this at like you know nine twenty three and 33 seconds you know yeah. are you kidding this is this is this is a construction zone this is not a playground of the spirit um so i i just i i think that just that shifting that metaphor um mm-hmm. towards um towards play and and, and levity, um, there's mm-hmm. so much gravity going around here. Um, mm-hmm. gr- Grace is levity. <laughs> it reverses gravity, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah.
0: Well, Lynn, um, I, well, speaking of time, <laughs> we're kind of coming to the end of it. I hate to say that since you just talked about people giving you such a short amount of time. Um, but I'm sure the conversation has has piqued their interest um, to hear more from you. Of course, we have a great chapter in Red Skies. Where else can people kind of catch up with what you're doing? Um, are you are you writing something now, releasing something now? Uh, give us. Well, yeah, just um,
2: today I released a book with one of my doctoral students uh, called Telos. All right. Uh, the Hope of Heaven uh, Today. It's um, trying to move the church away from this linear eschatological um line to a uh, much more teleological one which is a more biblical frame sure but i also do i've done for a couple of years now in fact i've done like 144 weekly Lent talks on youtube i have my own youtube channel and i do it on the lectionary i, I show how to do semiotic readings of passages of scriptures and stories mm-hmm. so um that'd be another place or just um My Facebook page, my Twitter, um, um, I try to use those as kind of micro blogs. So I do kind of daily micro blogs on each one of them. So,
0: well, we, we certainly appreciate you, um, taking time with us today and really appreciate you contributing, uh, to this book. Um, it was an important part of it and, um, maybe, maybe there will be a, second part to this where we can do the red heifer thing. If
2: you do a new position, I'm gonna lobby for adding my red heifer. Okay. Well
0: maybe that's the title of the next one. (laughs) Red skies and red heifers, you know? (laughs) There
2: you go.
0: That's even better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we we uh we we really do just wish blessing upon you and uh, your ministry and all the things that you do and teaching uh, young leaders, and um you know, just just love the way that you contribute to the Christian vocabulary and conversation these days. so i really I, re- I really do appreciate you. I remember, um I think my first book of yours that I read was uh, tablet to table and and it really helped frame my kind yeah. of mi- my missional, paradigm shift that I was ha- having and so great. I well, really great. appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Hey, Rich, great to be with you, man. Oh you too, and You too. Yeah. Real
1: gift. Real gift. Okay.
0: Okay. Well we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining this episode of Red Skies, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Movement Leaders Collective and 100 Movements Publishing in partnership with our friends at Missio Alliance. You can join the conversation at movementleaderscollective.com and connect with us at Red Skies at redskiesfuture.com. And as well, pick up your copy of Red Skies, 10 Essential Conversations for Our Future as the Church on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other places that fine books are sold. Be sure to like this podcast and share it with others. And we look forward to continued conversations on our future as the church.